heights to the depths of the sea. Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. Notice, no one, Lord. Something happened on that mount. When she was being dragged in, she was assuming she was going to be killed, according to the law of Moses. And now Jesus convicts these holy men who everybody looks up to and they are walking away and now she's standing before the one who has the authority, God Almighty Jesus Christ. Welcome, everyone, to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible-teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with senior pastor and teacher Rob Kellogg. The woman, guilty of sin, knew the goodness of having no condemnation. She passed from sin and a death sentence to forgiveness and life. In a sense, Jesus took her guilt upon himself, especially as he so demonstrably stooped down. He alone was without sin among them. Knowing all things, he had the right to cast the first stone, but he didn't. The woman found refuge in connection to Jesus. As we abide in Jesus, we too find refuge in him, who knew no sin, but became sin for us. Now here's Pastor Rob. Are you giving it away or are you keeping it? Keep your heart with all diligence. There are so many things vying for your attention, your affection, your devotion. Whatever that thing is, you'd better be really careful. Be careful, brothers and sisters. The Bible says that the devil is like a roaring lion going throughout the earth, seeking whom he may devour. He wants to take you out. He can't take your salvation away from you, but boy, he can still tempt you. And God will allow it at times. But what do you do when you have the temptation? Do you fall to your knees and beg God for help? That's what I do. I would encourage you to do the same, but don't give in. You resist the devil, and the Bible says he will flee from you, but he'll come back again. You can be sure of it. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world, right? Amen? That's the truth. I'm so glad. Aren't you glad you're a child of God? You know, there's a lot of bad news here, and this is really hitting some of us right between the eyes, but you know what? Let it happen. Let your heart get wounded, because if it's wounded, that means that there's growth. I fear the person who sets or listens to this later on and then it has no effect on them and yet their lives are in shambles. Let me tell you, that's the person I worry about. Not the Christian who is dabbling or maybe on the verge of doing something or involved in something. Confess it and be done with it and be restored and never return to it. And if you do return to it again, confess it again and return or you know, turn away from it. You continue fighting it. You fight it, fight it, fight it. Never give in. What was Jesus doing writing on the ground, I wonder? Was he playing tic-tac-toe? Was he playing hangman? That'd be interesting. 
But notice, then those who heard what he said. Notice, not when they saw, but when they heard what he said. Notice that. It's an audible thing. Not so much what they saw. I'm sure those men were watching what Jesus was writing. Nobody knows. The scripture is silent, so we don't need to worry about that. But it was when they heard what he said. The word of God coming forth from the word of God. He is the word of God. Jesus is the word of God. He spoke the word of God. Ye who were without sin, let you cast the first stone. It was what he said. What does it tell us in Hebrews? The word of God is quick and it's powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and as a discerner, notice, of the thoughts and intents of the heart. That's what the word of God, it's like a surgical tool. Where's the difference, the line? Where is the soul and the spirit? Where is that dividing line? The word of God knows it. Where is that dividing line? The word of God knows it. And when the word of God is used at the right time, boy, it just wounds us. But it also brings great joy, doesn't it? It gives us great hope. You know, the Bible is not just a bunch of list of do's and don'ts. No, it's, a list, it's, a, it's filled with encouragement and grace. Filled with encouragement and grace. Then Jesus raised himself up and he saw no one but the woman. After they had dropped all their stones and one by one they walked away, he lifted up and he saw no one but the woman there. And of course, a couple thousand people who are probably just sitting there with their mouth wide open going, what is he going to do now? And he said to her, woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? She said, no one, Lord. Notice, no one, Lord. Something happened on that mount When she was being dragged in, she was assuming she was going to be killed, according to the law of Moses. And now Jesus convicts these holy men who everybody looks up to, and they are walking away, and now she's standing before the one who has the authority, God Almighty, Jesus Christ. And she might be thinking to herself, what's going to happen to me? If he can draw those guys away, those guys, I'm I'm unclean, and I've been caught. What is he going to say? He says, neither do I condemn you. It is true that what you did was a sin. It's wrong. But guess what? I'm going to give you a commandment. And, I, and See, Jesus has the benefit of knowing the heart. He can look right through you. He knows exactly why you do the things you do. He knows the motivations. He knows the motives behind why you do what you do. And he could look at this woman with all of heaven standing before her and say, go and sin no more. And he knew that that woman would be one of his children. I love that about the Lord. When the word of God spoke to my heart, it changed me in an instant. I've never been the same. Is the same true for you? When the word of God spoke to you, didn't it change you forever? Isn't it changing you moment by moment? Isn't that what sanctification is? It is an ongoing process until we are with the Lord or until the rapture of the church. It is a process and it takes time. Don't be afraid of allowing the Lord taking time in you. I'm frustrated with myself because I see so many 
impurities in my own heart, in my own life, and in my own mind. I am so ready just to be, do you know what I mean? You're just like, you just want to, you just want to like take off this invisible shell that's inside of you and just throw it away. And little by little, the Lord's giving you victory and victory and victory. And sometimes you slip and you get back up again. You slip and you get back up again. You cry out to him and he's taking these things. And pretty soon, little by little, you're being sanctified. That's what it means. You're being sanctified. Rejoice in that and don't get discouraged during this process of sanctification. Just keep going. Keep going. Never give up. Continue to repent. Continue to turn your back on the things. And you fight and you fight and you fight. You don't give up. Amen? Don't give up. Don't give up. Everyone around you may give up, but don't you give up. Don't give up. Two of the many hallmarks, two of the many hallmarks of God's character is his grace and his mercy. Grace is, is God giving us, giving to us what we could never deserve, and that could be spiritual or physical. God's mercy is him withholding from us what we do deserve, what we patently deserve, and what we deserve is death. Because we've all sinned. Isn't that what the Bible tells us? I've said this before. The Bible says in Romans 3.23, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But because of his grace, he's able to extend mercy due to his substitutionary atonement. He started that even with the animal sacrifices back in the Old Testament. And then finally, it, was, it came to its completion, its fruition, its final episode, if you will, when Jesus, the spotless Lamb of God, took the sin on himself of the whole entire world once and for all. There's no need to continue with those old things. The life of an innocent animal for the life of the guilty, that was the substitutionary thing that had to happen. Without the shedding of blood, there can be no remission of sin. Someone had to pay the price. And Jesus paid that price because he is God in the flesh. It happened once and for all. But God is a God of mercy. Many people think that God, the God of the Old Testament is just this angry God who just wants to squash people. But I want to tell you this morning that there is a lot of grace in the Old Testament. A lot of grace. Why was it that when Moses was up on top of the mountain for 40 days and 40 nights, why was it that Aaron, his brother, the high priest at the time, you know, three months coming out of Egypt, he gathers all the gold, he puts it, he melts it, and he shapens, he puts it in the fire and the gold, and he starts shaping a golden calf. How was it that God spared his life? When it was the idolatry, he was trying to get out of them. And yet God, and this is after, this happened after the Ten Commandments. How is it that he survived? How was it that David survived when he killed, or when he first had the adulterous affair with Bathsheba and then killed her husband, Uriah, a member of his army, to cover up for it. How was it that David could still be alive? Why wasn't he taken immediately and stoned? Even the king of Israel. He committed adultery and murder, didn't he? <laughs> and notice in Second Samuel chapter 12, You'll have to read that 11 and chapters 11 and 12. But in chapter 12, in verse uh, 13, David said to Nathan, the prophet, he says, I have sinned against the Lord. When he was finally found out, I have sinned. And Nathan said to him, the Lord has also put away your sin. 
you shall not die. However, because this deed that you've given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme, and here's the cause, David, the child that's in Bathsheba right now, that child is, that is, is to be born shall surely die, and the sword shall never depart from your house. There is always a consequence for sin. Somebody else died for David's sin, and that was his firstborn son from Bathsheba. David had other sons, but from Bathsheba, somebody paid the price. God is a God of grace and mercy. In Exodus 34, we're not going to go through all of these for the sake of time, but the Lord, remember back in Exodus 34, the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with Moses there and proclaimed the name of the Lord, and the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, and here's the Lord speaking, the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering, meaning patient, abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the children's children to the third and the fourth generation, and it'll tell us later, of those that hate me. For you, O Lord, are good and ready to forgive, plenteous in mercy unto all them that call upon you. That's who God is. There's a number of verses there in the Psalms. But see, God does not just want to punish you and ruin your fun. Most people think that. He just wants to ruin my fun. No, he wants your life to be more abundant. He wants your life to be free from those things. Because honestly, as a Christian, I've noticed that my life has been more, I've been more happy even. I know happiness can come and go, but there's a real joy, an underlying joy, regardless of my circumstances. Even when I'm going through a trial, I know that God loves me. And I know he's working things out for my good. But he's not just doing these things to ruin our fun, No. God just doesn't want to punish you. No, he wants you to live. He wants you to live. In Deuteronomy 30, verse 15, it says, See, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil, and that I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, and to keep his commandments, his statutes, his judgments, that you may live and multiply. He wants you to live. And in John 15, what did Jesus say? And here's where we're going to end this morning. You know, as we read of this woman, and as it stirs us, as it challenges us, God wants you to abide in him. He wants you to abide in him. That means a settledness. That means making a home Making a home, it's something that's more permanent than a, a, a transient dwelling. It means to be in him and to not want to leave him. To be in a place where you are surrounded by his grace, his love. Surrounded by people that feel the same way. That's why I love uh, when we fellowship like this. We're all here together. What greater thing could we be doing than sitting and hearing the word of God and then going out from this place with that in our hearts? And hopefully the Lord is working on us, always just churning the wheels, getting us stirred up, breaking our hearts. I can't tell you how many times my heart has been broken over the last year and a half. 
crushed, no kidding. So many reasons, so many ways, so many things that have happened that have just crushed me. And God's going to get the better. He's going to get the better of me. And he's doing it for my good. I know that. It's never easy, is it, when you're going through it? But at the end of it, oh, the peaceable fruit of righteousness that he does in it. Jesus said, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he lifts up. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. See, that's what God wants to do in your life. He wants you to bear more fruit. Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and they throw them into the fire. Aren't you glad that you're not among those brambles that are, going to be, that are destined for fire, but rather You're in his arms because you're abiding in him. Can I encourage you this morning to continue to abide in Jesus? Why? By this my father is glorified, he says at the end of verse 8, that you may, may bear much fruit so that you shall be my disciples. He wants you to bear much fruit. And how do you do that? You abide in him. How do we abide in the Lord? Well, you you read the Bible. You pray. You put into action those things that you read, not looking at those things as something somebody else has to do, but I look at them and I shine the searchlight of God's word on my own heart in the privacy of my own volition, and I say, Lord, you do this work in me. Read the Bible for yourself first, rather than always pointing the finger. That was a problem with the Pharisees. The religious leaders, those guys who dragged this woman up on the Temple Mount, they were reading the Bible reading the Old Testament scriptures, that's all they had at the time, and they were looking at other people. That was the problem. Looking at other people, this is what the law says, you're going to die. Well, what about your own heart? Well, let's not talk about that. It doesn't work that way. We have to allow it to apply to our own hearts. Is the word of God bearing fruit in your life? Is it, are you fostering it? Are you letting it bear fruit? Oh, yeah, you don't have to work. You you just let it happen. Just let it happen. When the Spirit of God comes in you, all you have to do is just walk with him and enjoy enjoy him and live life honestly and, and good. Live a good life. Do the right things. And it's never easy to do the right things sometimes, but do the right thing even if it hurts, even if everyone else is against you, even if you lose your job, for heaven's sakes, do the right thing. Do the right thing. Follow Christ and you will bear fruit. And you let him worry about the results. Are you fostering it? Are you letting it bear fruit? Or, as some, are you resisting the Spirit of God? Resisting him. Thank you very much, God. I'll take it from here. I used to do that. I used to hold my hand out and say, Lord... I know what you expect of me. I know what your word says, but this is an area of my heart that I will not allow you to come into. I have the keys, and I'm not ready to give them over. And you know the Lord is such a gentleman. He'll say, okay, Rob, I love you. And I'll let you think you have those keys, and I'll let you continue. I'll see you in a couple months. And sure enough, a couple months later, I'm on my knees again, complaining and crying, Lord, I messed up again. Will you still accept me? He says, of course. I will accept you. Confess it. You can't hide it from me anyway. I mean, think 
playing hide-and-go-seek with God. Where are you? Remember in the garden? Where are you, Adam? Do you think God knew where he was? Oh, yeah. I'm over here behind the pomegranate tree. You can't see me. No, he knew where he was. He knew where he was. Not only physically, but in his heart. He knew where Adam was. So are you resisting? Are you quenching the Spirit of God? Or are you abiding in him? I want to encourage you this morning to abide in Jesus Christ. And put the things of the flesh far behind. Take him at his word. And let this passage, even though it was very hard to go through, because nobody likes this topic, but yet it is the elephant in the room, is it not? Adultery and sexual sin, it is the elephant in the room that nobody likes to talk about. But you know what? We have to talk about it. We have to address that elephant. Let's stand together. I apologize for... um, We had a vacation Bible study here and we had a baptism picnic. We had the back door open for a number of hours and I can say this now because I don't want to distract anybody, although some of you already know, but we have a few bees flying around. Um, They're going to be evicted this week. We'll make sure of it, so don't fear, okay? And um, But just want to thank you for just being true to the word of, of the Lord, for desiring to hear what he has to say, because his, his ways are truth. And he loves all of you, and you need to know that. Regardless of what you've gone through, regardless of your past, know that Christ loves you more than you could possibly ever imagine. He loves you so much. But sometimes he has to tell us hard things. He's told me hard things, and it's broken my heart. But you know what? I love him for that. Didn't Job say that? Though he slay me, yet I will trust him. Because I know in the slaying of me that it's only because he's got something better for me. God doesn't crucify or, or take something out of your life, but to replace it with something so much better. Will you allow him to do it? Will you abide in him? Let's do that together, shall we? Father, we just we thank you. Lord, I pray that for each one of us, Lord, you've planted us in your dear son. Lord, you've planted us in Christ and we are secure and we are blessed and we are happy, God. And Lord, with all of the craziness in the world around us, with all of the confusion and all of the discouragement, Father, there is such a great deal of it around us. God, help us to abide in you today and to really focus in on you, Jesus. Please help us. Lord, how we look forward to your soon return. We can't wait to see you. And Lord, if we feel that way, we can only imagine how much you are excited when you see the expressions on our face, when we see you for the very first time. Lord, I can't imagine what my expression will be, if my face will even be able to be shown, because it will more than likely be in the ground as my face has hit the ground and humble adoration of this one who was perfect in all of his ways, who paid the price. So Lord, thank you. Bless my brothers and sisters, Lord. Encourage them bigly. (laughs) Encourage them in a much bigly way. In Jesus' name, amen. That's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of John. 
Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.